So we begin the day with just a five-minute settling sit to help the room settle. Um, this may be a little, I'm not sure if this is a little loud. I heard it might be a little hot. How's the sound back there? It's fine? It should go up? Are you saying? It's good. Okay. <clears throat> so let's uh, take a settling sit. A few more people are going to be coming in. Um, so you'll hear the sounds of the door opening and chairs creaking and people getting settled into their place. But then they'll be able to walk into a room that is in this process of settling down from all the more chaotic energy of um, having to get here, drive your car here, register, find your place. So now you can begin simplifying your heart, your mind, your body, down into this uh, practice of collectedness, developing presence. So find a posture that's comfortable for you. And before you go right into um, closing your eyes, just look around the room a little bit. This is a flow of present time experiences, your visual experiences. You can look out the windows, take note of the day outside, the details of the room, the people sitting around you, next to you. And with one deep breath in, deep breath out, letting your breath be natural, you can close your eyes. And so much of this practice, what we're doing is inviting ourselves to switch the mode of how we use our minds so that they're more naturally spacious, relaxed, maybe more simple and present. Inviting our minds out of a busy state, a doing state, an accomplishing state, into something where we're rested, more malleable, more adaptable, a more open agenda. And to aid in that, every now and then take a deep breath in and let go when you exhale. You'll actually do quite well emptying out, letting go, simplifying. And then even though you've had a body this entire time, you might not have been that aware of it. So if you bring your attention in to feel your breath inside your body, you might open up to recognize that you have a body, a body sitting down in a chair, on a cushion, or a bench. See if you can feel your breath arising and passing within this body.
and taking one more deep breath in and relaxing on the out breath. everyone. Welcome to Spirit Rock. Um, for how many of you is this the first time you've been to Spirit Rock? Okay, great. Welcome. This is a day long for experienced meditators. Um, so you're in a room full of people who have been to Spirit Rock or other uh, insight meditation retreats, classes, other forms of meditation. So you're in a room full of people who have some dedication to the practice already. My name is Temple Smith, and I'm one of the teachers here at Spirit Rock, and it's a pleasure to spend this Saturday with you, um, going over this topic of the Anapanasati Sutta, which is a discourse on mindfulness of breathing. So we're going to spend the whole day um, covering this one discourse. When it's printed out in smallish font, it covers uh, six pages. And this particular discourse that the Buddha gave um, was his most detailed um, description of how to work with the breath um, all the way up to where you, from where you begin, where anybody begins, um, all the way up to full enlightenment. Um, and then even past full enlightenment, if you want to keep practicing, you're welcome to. <laughs> so those of you who are already there, but you've come to join the rest of us to cheer us on, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, <clears throat> this practice of mindfulness of breathing is pretty central in most of the um, communities, most, that, most of the communities that practice this form of Buddhism, Theravadan Buddhism. And so I had a chance to travel around Burma um, for a while. I was a monk there for a year and got to visit many different monasteries. And almost every monastery I went to, mindfulness of breathing was pretty central to how they practiced, along with other practices that would um, aid in their process of settling down, waking up. Um, but as people did other practices, they almost always returned back to mindfulness of breathing. So mindfulness of breathing is almost like uh, I-5, that I-5 goes up and down the West Coast. And there are many things, many roads that go off of I-5, but they also also kind of bend back around and connect to I-5 again. So mindfulness of breathing is the, um, the central practice in our tradition. And then there are many beautiful practices that um, support the overall development of one's heart and mind, like uh, loving kindness practices, body scanning practices, um, different types of reflections. Um, they're helpful along the way. And as people do those other practices, they will find that they come back to mindfulness of breathing because the breath as a, um, as a place to return to, as a place to regroup your attention, as a place to re-enter your body if you've been distracted because you've gotten busy. Um, it's so central. It's so central to our living process 
the fact that we're breathing, that it's common to all of us, and, it's a, and you can feel it. It's not a hard place to first connect to meditation practice, to actually feel your breath. And for many of us, it's a matter of coming out of our busy hearts and minds um, as we get caught up in our daily activity. So whether you're in a cave somewhere, very secluded, or in a cabin in the woods, in a monastery or retreat center, or whether you work in a busy downtown area and you get a lot of stimulation, uh, mindfulness of breathing actually is helpful in all these different circumstances. And so building a relationship to your breath, wherever you do it, whether it's mostly at home or on retreat, um, it's a great place um, to build that relationship because you can always find the breath. The breath is its usually within reach for most of us, no matter how chaotic, how stimulated, no matter what the circumstances. Some awareness of your breath or actually taking a moment and completely dropping your full attention just into three or four conscious breaths can begin to turn your entire stream of heart and mind. And if you have been lost for an hour, 10 minutes, a couple of years, <laughs> you know, when, the, when children are born and you find that you're caught in that or you get a new job or you move somewhere, and there's a lot of new stimulation, you might find that you've gone a long time without really dropping in. And the breath can be that first drop in again, whether it's even just a one breath or whether it ends up being more than that. Um, you can build a relationship so that the breath is more and more accessible. And to finally actually, um, it's there almost uh, integrated as a part of your every waking moment. The breath can become that familiar to you that at first we have to build that strong connection to the breath. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be uh, um, a foregone conclusion that everybody can feel their breath uh, in, in all time. But you can practice it so that the breath is more and more in reach. And then you know when you're getting spun out by life circumstances that one of the first things you might do rather than trying to solve all the problems that are coming up is you might first reconnect to your breath. And in that breath, you might reconnect to your body. And then coming back down into your body, you might realize that some of the problems that were sweeping you up, um, you have more perspective because you're, again, back in the body, back into this rhythm of breathing. So the breath is a tremendous uh, anchor for attention. It's a great way to reconnect to yourself if you've gotten lost. And then it turns out that it's also this great I-5 highway um, that we all can enter wherever we are and take the practice increasingly deeper and deeper and deeper all the way to full enlightenment. And then I say beyond enlightenment because the breath was what the Buddha practiced when he practiced meditation, even after his enlightenment, in order to restore himself because he was still, still had a human body. He still needed to eat food. He still had to rest. And he was asked upon for the 40 years that he, te that he taught. Um, he had to self-manage. Even the Buddha had to self-manage. Um, and it is said that uh, uh, the Buddha loved practicing mindfulness of breathing. And he said, not only do I love practicing mindfulness of breathing, all Buddhas practice mindfulness of breathing. So you're in good company. <laughs> even the Buddha, 
even all of his many attendants uh, who became enlightened um, practice mindfulness of breathing. So again, it's not something that you graduate from and then get to do more profound meditations that um, the breath is not only a good starting place. It turns out that, again, all practices seem to lead back to a deeper connection to mindfulness of breathing. Like I said earlier, we're going to spend um, the day looking at this one discourse. And it's actually detailed enough that you could spend your life studying it. Um, so we only have a day. Um, <laughs> so we're going to look at it really the, uh, in, in broad strokes, what's being uh, described in this discourse. But it's enough that then if you wanted to go back and do your own self-study and then read other books on it, um, it will make more sense. So hopefully that's the purpose of the day, is to get deeper into this discourse. If you've already read it, then there'll be a chance to ask questions about it, um, if you're familiar with it. And if not, um, after a day like today, um, you can then go to the discourse itself and you could read it in English. Or there are now um, many great books written on this one discourse. So that would be the purpose of the day. What I'd like to do is um, take a moment and have you just say hello to a few of your neighbors. Um, so you get to know who the other great beings who are sitting on either side of you or in front of you. So say hi to a few folks.